Hello and welcome to the future. Uh, this is another episode of the Bench Units podcast. We have just done an episode that will be coming out on Thursday. Uh, this is us recording on Monday evening to come out on Tuesday. So yeah, we're back to talk about another week of basketball games. How's it going, Mark? I'm good, thanks, man. Am I completely oblivious or did you change your t-shirt when you went between takes there? Uh, I took my hoodie off. Oh, okay, not really. I was... um, but yeah, uh, no, I did not. I I said hello from the future because I really should have said something about being from the past in the episode that's coming out on Thursday that we just recorded. Yeah. But this is this is at risk of becoming like a non chronological Tarantino esque weird <laughs> thing. Except for um, it's not going to be gory or racist, so it's probably fine. Um, Misses yeah. out. Misses out on two of our key boxes we aim to check. Um, Tarantino-esque and gory. (laughs) Um, So yeah, like James said, we've just had Tommy Bomer on, who's joined us to talk about a little bit about himself and his own journey, and then the Landil and Thuringen game that took place last weekend. So we're not going to be covering that one today. This is going to be coming out on Tuesday. You'll have to wait till Thursday to hear all the good stuff with Tommy. Uh, but we're going to crack on, and we had a midweek game in Spain that we may as well start with because it now feels long enough ago that at least I've forgotten about it and therefore don't have any ver- derogatory things to say about Valladolid on this occasion. But James, would you like to kick us off on this one? Um, sure. I <laughs> I was speaking to someone about how I've gotten into a habit of not watching Valladolid games because I like coming on here and getting the organic experience of you sighing when you speak about how they play. <laughs> but no, I actually watched this one because it was midweek and what else are we doing on Wednesdays? Um, yeah, man, 77-44. Albacete have enough to beat Valladolid at 50% by 33 is what I got from this. <laughs> like they did that thing where it's happened a couple of times recently where it's either Philipski or Gaz will have it. Some like they're gonna both have it at some point soon. They're playing us this weekend, so I've said it now. Um but yeah, they obviously play two out of Philipski, Gaz Chardry, Lee Manning, and one of them will have it and it'll be game over. Uh Gaz had 23 on nine from twelve, um, one from two threes, made two free throws. Like that that will that will get it done. They got pretty round scoring from everyone else. They had twelve from Kyle, nine from Harry, um, four from Vicky, nine Lee, only six from Fifi, which is strange. Two from five threes and didn't make anything else. Ten from Ben, four from Oscar on Rubia. Um, on the other side of the ball, Yelmer went seven from fourteen. No one else really gave them anything. Yeah. Maxi Ruggieri with 13, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it was with this game, but it seems to be guys making their threes and doing not a lot else because Maxi was three from six and then made one other shot. Filipski's six points were being two from five from three and then make it like not even attempting. Uh, sorry, I had two, zero from two, two point attempts. But yeah, um, Here's a random question. You've just said that um, Ruggieri didn't do a whole lot apart from making his threes. Who's going to end 
the season with the most games with a higher three point percentage than two point percentage. Um, is it the, the the front runners are Maxi Ruggieri, Jose Leap, David Maurice now? Um, I don't really know who else. I it can't be David, can it? Because he had actually no, he was like six from eleven the other week, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's letting them fly now, man. Yeah. It's it's he's it's had great. years of years of Asia yelling at him. <laughs> he's like, I'll show you. Um I don't think it's that. I think no, he's like, hey, someone's gotta shoot the ball. No. Um, um I would go, I'd say it is probably Ruggeri because he's had a couple of big ones and Jose Leap's had some big ones, but has also had some like zero from nine three-point shooting games because they're the only shots his team can get off. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, shout out to Yelma, man. Like, Leap is obviously 14 points. It's all relative when you consider what they're up against, but going up against a team with the size of Albacete and given that Yelma's typical advantage is that he's massive and tall, and then he has to play against Lee Manning, like 14 points on 50% shooting and 14 rebounds is a pretty solid output given the circumstances. Yes, sir. Yeah. So there's not good, a whole Good Yelmer game, not a whole lot else. Yeah. So shall we skip on? Um, the, the one other thing I wanted to notice is like oh. Albacete have and we'll speak about it more in the next game a couple of times recently they've rolled out the two fours ben harry oscar sort of create chaos play defense get turnovers have enough offense on the other end obviously um line up and it's cool to see because those three can absolutely muck up anything you've got going on the offensive end well, it's cool as well because they actually, most teams who have a player like Oscar, who is a kind of the roll him out there junkyard dog and have him mess and stuff up, most teams don't trust those guys offensively either because typically guys who are that good defensively play too high energy to be massively productive on offense or given the nature of Oscar's disability, they're not necessarily like guys missing their hands on hugely reliable offensive players hot take but um he's had well, a couple of like yeah twelves yeah I'll just say really trust him man and like mo- yeah. most teams would not yeah um but yeah shout out to him man he's a he's a good player and yeah I'll just say just have the kind of lineup switchiness along with the offensive impact that they can play either Gaz or Filipski or both I <laughs> will figure it out oh yeah for sure Right. It's the thing like we just spoke to spoilers, we just spoke to Tommy Boma about it. And that's the thing that I think sets the top teams in either league apart where it's like, ah, we'll find it. We've got it somewhere. Like one of the keys in my pocket will open the door and yeah. it comes with me. Like I don't know which one it is yet, but sometimes it's this one, sometimes it's that one is where this analogy falls apart. But <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you're just wondering like door to door in a block of flats or something be like I'll try it I'll try all of these in all the doors. Um <laughs> yeah. di- di- diversity of options. Yeah, exactly. Uh we'll move on again because this is another Albacete game was actually the early tip. So we'll wrap our Albacete portion up early. Albacete 55, Las Rosas 43. So this Las Rosas home games are always the early game of the weekend in Spain because they have their home games at four Spain time. And I, I guess it's just court, avail- court availability. So I turned this on at halftime, start of the third quarter, actually, and it was 19 all. 
And I thought it was the end of the first. And I was like, ah, they're a bit sluggish. They'll, they'll get it going. Because Albacete have played four games in the last week. Yeah. Which I guess is the reason to show up and not be switched on, which is the only thing I can yeah. think of well, as to yeah. why you should be tied with Las Rosas on less than 20 points at halftime. Well, well it's just shots don't go in sometimes. Uh, so it, I can't come on here and be like, Shots yeah. don't go in sometimes for no, the third week in a row. It was that, and uh, I was just chatting to Ben as he was because he was messaging me about music to listen to on his road trip and other such rubbish. Um, and yeah, he so we were like texting away just merrily, and then I always forget the last Rosas games are at three UK time, right? So four o'clock Spanish. Um, so I was like just chatting away with Ben and it was like 2.25 and I was like, you definitely, I only clocked at that point that Las Rosas played the early one. So I was like, you definitely shouldn't be texting now. You should be like in your chair or something. And he was like, yeah, we're 30, it's 35 minutes before tip and we're not there yet because their bus broke down on the way there and they had to have a replacement bus sent out to pick them up. So oh. Okay. I think I don't know if the game got delayed or if they got there like three minutes before the game started. But yeah, the whole that's thing. not something I know either. So yeah, that there there could be the the context as to why it took them a while to get going. Yeah, that I think we, that you can you can give them the excuse on on that one. But um, and also they eventually won a game. Yeah, so like they still like they haven't lost yet. I don't think have yeah. they? So. Not even, not even the bus driver can get them, get them to give one up. Um, yeah, from the last Rosas side, another big game from Christian Gomez. He had twenty-one and seventeen rebounds. Um, Zavala doing his thing as well. They just kind of gained Gomez as Cano's gone out for however long it may be, and they've now got probably the two slowest good shooters in the league and nobody to kind of facilitate for them. So I think those guys are, they would probably be overtaxed even with a full team, but they definitely are now, especially when they then have to go up against Harry and Oscar and Rubio, like we talked about just now. Yeah. Also, yeah, like I'm going to go on about my thing about pace again, like a team that plays that slow, you're not going to score as many points, probably, especially if you're struggling to get going. Yeah. But second game in the week that they couldn't find it, and then Gaz kind of found it. Yeah, ended yeah, up with fifth. Ended up with fifteen, which when you only score fifty-five, like we'll get it done. Yeah, it, interesting start from this. Um, Las Rosas actually made more twos. Than Gran Canaria, the Gran Canaria, yeah. than Albacete did in the game. So Las Rosas were twenty of fifty-seven, Las, and um, Albacete were nineteen of forty-five. So <laughs> Albacete made made three threes and eight free throws. So they basically won the game on not two-point shooting, which yeah maybe makes sense when Gomez and Zavala are, are both heaving shots up. But yeah, I think. I think it was the third quarter, I don't remember, but one quarter, Las Rosas were in the bonus for five straight minutes. So, like, make your free throws. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I would say even they were eight from 20 free throws, which is, like, way below what you would typically expect. Um, but, yeah, they obviously, vo- volume and quantity over quality and all that stuff. 
yeah, good team like that's eventually going to get it done. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's not like they've had two games in a week where they, for various reasons, I didn't know the context of the game on Saturday, but like showed up, weren't at 100%, and kind of just got it done anyway. Like, yeah. And it, it's worth mentioning as well that while Gaz was top scorer, the minutes that Harry and Filipski played together, which 22 minutes a piece. Um, Albacete won those those minutes by 21 points, which I guess that'll do it in a 12 point win. Yeah, oh for sure. In a race to 55. Yeah. That'll get it done. <laughs> um oh yeah, massively. Cool. Shut, Not a whole lot to say about that. Um Although I did, I'll, I'll give you a laugh. We were watching this being like, wow, Albacete look like they're just not about it today. We didn't obviously know the bus thing or whatever. And we were just like, oh, God, it's super nice of them to go and get all of this, all these cobwebs out of the way before we play them on Saturday. They're going to be absolutely a well-oiled machine by the time we see them knowing our luck. But let's just hope their bus is well-oiled as well. Yeah, well, they're at home, so... <laughs> that's how far it is I'm going to say if, if the bus to the game messes up on them this time someone's going to be like hey you can't pull that excuse for scoring 19 points in the first half again um, right we'll shift on to Amivel Malaga and Medema Extremadura cool. did, Medema 72 Malaga 59 did you catch this one yeah I watched basically until it was over like mid Start of the fourth, basically. Um, and my not very astute observation is uh, that Mediva are unbelievable at um, what they do very well, which is absolutely really high pressure on one end of the floor, turnovers, and they're so clinical in transition. Yeah. And yeah, it's like the thing of like we come on and it's one of the reasons that we kind of don't speak about them a whole lot. It's also so that you don't accidentally say that Burgos are better than them again or something, <laughs> uh, but it's, they're just so good against like the other teams in the league that it's not worth talking about them because they put a hundred up on or 85 to 90 up on all of the lower teams because they're just so clinical in transition because yeah. they're, they've got at any given point, they've got four massive quick, skilled guys um and yeah they were able to just absolutely show that and put uh and you said Madiba put Malaga away um 24 from John again like John's yeah. so good at what he does 24 from John 22 from Salvador 15 from Phil as well Phil's getting yeah. shot I was gonna getting say in the last couple of weeks 15 I always like to 15, 9, and 4 from Phil. Yeah. I would like to go through the assistant rebounds because Phil's all-around game is the story for these guys most of the time. Yeah. Phil I, just being everywhere and facilitating. And they're just like they're one pointers as well between Tinin and uh Charlie Moore are really, really good at what they do. Um, but yeah, man. What was the story for you on the other side of the ball? Um, I think it was interesting because it was like the first quarter was really pretty I think Madiba got out to a 7-0 start in the game uh, and then it was like 16-9 to at the end of the first quarter so after that initial surge it was level for the last few minutes of the quarter and it was then tied the second quarter was 19-19 and the first half was basically a 
staring contest of you know that meme of the spider-mans pointing at each other where it'd be <laughs> like hey we don't think you can win this game from outside either and malaga couldn't really um Madiba aren't a particularly great outside shooting team but like you said about the transition and stuff Madiba just made the most of malaga's misses much more than the other way around like that yeah it was pretty rare that uh, Madiba outside miss, even if that was the shot that Malaga were relatively content to give up. Malaga didn't ever really capitalize on those. Um, outside of that, our guy, Cosarina, 13 from 23 shots, 29 points, only double-digit scorer for Malaga. But he, he, I guess that's the right game for him because... Madiba have a good spread of size, but don't have a giant. Like I know Salvador's deceptively big and tall and has very long arms, but yeah, John and Phil are both really, really long. But yeah. you kind of forget that Cosarina is an absolute like giant. Yeah. He's, he's the like, lankiest man in the world. Yeah. He's not yeah. a giant. He's just so long. Yeah, he's um, yeah, man. He, I mean, he's had good games against legit teams enough times now that I don't think we have any option other than to say he is legit in and of himself. Um, and I bet Malaga were glad he was there for this one because he had about half of their total output of points. Um, yeah, outside of him, man, they just... Malaga didn't have the... They neither had the shooting. I guess they probably matched Madiba in outside shooting percentage thanks to Cosarina, but they just didn't have a dimension to their game to get points on the board when they weren't able to get inside, whereas Madiba did. It was just take the ball off the rebound and push in transition. They're so efficient. Everyone knows exactly where they go and what to do. And as I say, just they have just athletes on the floor sure. at all yeah. times. And also, like, they had enough outside shooting to get going when they needed to as well. Like, they yeah. ran some um, John and Sandoval two-man game with Phil behind a double screen and stuff, which I like. Just I like I like seeing teams put in different stuff as like little wrinkles in the half court when they're not when they're not able to get going. Yeah. And that kind of sustained them for a little bit, which was cool to see. But yeah, man, they're just so good in transition. Yeah. We should mention on the Malaga side as well that Abdi wasn't there for this one. So yeah. That Abdi has posted recently saying that he is now testing negative for COVID. So oh cool. Shout out to Abdi. Happy days. We'll back good. soon. Um, so yeah, I think totally you, free. Can, you can probably make the case that Madiba's just sit inside and let them shoot strategy might have been slightly compromised by Abdi's presence there. But I think this was convincing enough that you could probably say Abdi being there wouldn't have tilted the scales enough for it to be a Malaga win. Oh no, and also Madiba have enough world-class individual defenders to be able to put a fire out. Like... Yeah. I don't think I don't think you add one person getting going. I don't think you're putting something out there that you couldn't just send Phil or Lewis or John or yeah. Sandoval out to figure out. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, cool. All right. Uh, yeah, Madiba look very very good in transition. To summarize, yeah, <laughs> they look efficient and quite scary at times. Cool. Next. Okay, Iber Amphi Vigo 66, Fundacion Aliados Valladolid 59. Did you see this between two of the teams we've monumentally branded as underwhelming week by week? 
Uh, I saw a little bit of it, but not a whole lot on account of playing an away game in a place that we have family members and then staying over on the Sunday and having a nice time. So Terrible excuse. Yeah, how dare I? <laughs> um, feels like the second that we moved to being like, hey, this is the official schedule. We're going yeah, to keep to I was like, hey, but I'm going to be busy every Sunday. So <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, it's, I, more, I didn't it's more I will it. find a reason to be busy every Sunday rather than I am busy every Sunday. Yes. And we're getting to the part of the year that our family are going to start visiting. So long may it continue. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. I'll just get my dad on the podcast. It's fine. <laughs> I'd love that. Um, if you like, what's a podcast? Uh, that'd be great. We should get your dad on even for like five minutes. It'd be awesome. Yes. All right. Uh, did you watch this? Because I only yeah. watched a bit of it. Yeah. So I caught this one. Um so this was actually really close all the way through. I think this was we Vitalid have struggled offensively and defensively, I think it's fair to say. Um but they the kind of stuff we've talked about with Vigo is if you can just shut the two guys down and leave the rest even to play like three on two, you can maybe get enough stops. And I think Vitalid had that figured out. And they kind of also had the trump card. They generally could, they've got guards mobile enough to defend Fabian Romo and Agustin Lejos out on the perimeter and leave Yelmer defending the basket. And that turned out to be something that the Vigo role players couldn't do a whole lot with for the first half, at least. Um, Yelmer kind of defends the, the numbers situation pretty well. And then it got to the second half and Romo didn't have a great game. Um, he was four from 11, but Alejos eventually was having guards push out on him. And instead of like looking to move the ball on and have his role players play the numbers game, was basically like, hey, I can probably just post up and shoot a handful yeah. of it. And that he did. And he was 13 from 19. He had a massive game uh, yeah. and a well-needed win for Vigo, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with a lot of forwards where it's like, hey, someone being right in front of me doesn't mean I'm not open vertically. <laughs> like, doubling someone with two ones is basically <laughs> like, are you actually denying someone's ability to shoot the ball or are you putting them in a position where they're like, really, really there's an implication that they should move the ball because they might get something better. A lot of double teams and jumps and stuff, it's like Ah, this person could shoot it. You're just making someone else open yeah, so that they think that's the right thing. Make them move the ball, get back to five on five. It's like open a door to be like, ah, I got you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, he hit some big ones. And shout out to Julio Villas, who with Romo not having his best game, Villas was six from eight and he had 13 points. Yeah, and efficient. that's kind of what Vigo have needed. Um we spoke, I think, last week about if they just had an inside guy who would, when they push out on the shooters, like if Dominic Mosler played for this team, they might be one of the best teams in Spain because they've got, well, maybe not, but they would be very tough to defend because his game matches. And not that Julio Vilas is Dominic Mosler, but he did what he was meant to do in this one and just finished the easy ones. Um on the not that he is Dominic Mosler, correct. Yeah, just looking at his shot chart, and it like 
one make outside the key, yeah. <laughs> five makes from around the charge circle. There you go. Job like done. A three point Ishmael R. The, 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 yeah, the well known reliable stats in this league, <laughs> as we will get on to. We will. Um, uh, yeah, on the Vidalier side, like considering some of the results they've had, I think them playing Vigo this close is at least a step in the right direction because they lost to Mercia um, last weekend and Mercia looked like they'd never seen a basketball before when they played you guys. Um, I think that's fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Yelmo with another big guy. I know we just talked about him, but Yelmo with 20 points and eight rebounds and they got 16 again from Ruggeri, who actually he was six of seven from two this time. So shout oh, out to him. Wow. Um, um, that being a higher percentage from two rather than three kind of might work out at yeah. some point. No, <laughs> um, and 12 from Jose Luis Robles as well, who is approximately 700 years old but has the occasional game where he still brings it. It was that game a couple of weeks ago that it was like, hey, he just hit four from five threes, <laughs> and I've never seen him shoot from three in my life. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good player, man. He's yeah, he's, he's been, like such a British league player playing in Spain where like everybody on their British league team is like, Oh, you should see this guy from Warwickshire bears. He's still got it. And it's like, he probably hasn't. And then there'll be a random league game where he does. But like <laughs> Jose Luis Robles has been around in Vitalid for so long that it's like wearing the purple just sustains him and keeps him alive. I love the idea that we're trying to make this like podcast international and you're bringing up a hypothetical Warwickshire Bears. <laughs> but no, you, you know, like, I know exactly what you mean. Every like, team has a guy that's like, no, trust me, the old guy still got it. And I don't even know how old he is to like, to be fair to him. I, I don't think he's as old as he seems, but I don't remember a vital lead team where he didn't play for them. Uh, yeah, that is fair. I'm going to tell you how old he is. Okay, you do uh, that. In the live meantime, on the podcast. In the meantime, he is forty know. apparently. Oh, really? That's much younger than I ever thought. Ah, no, I thought he was about forty. Yeah, uh, he's got the the whole thing we spoke about with Adolfo Badoon that time, and it's like when you're a certain level of olive skin and like decent looking hair, you're you're basically like thirty until you're retired. Yeah, until it goes grey, you yeah. look about the same. All right, this is getting weird. <laughs> Uh, this is getting weird. Alunion 76, Burgos 59. I managed to catch this one on planes, trains, and automobiles on the way home tonight. So this one was, I was flicking through, because um, I don't know if you noticed, but there was like the last Rosas one um, at four Spanish time. There was the Gran Canaria one at six Spanish time. And then the other four or five games all started at 5 p.m. at the exact same time. So I was like a chameleon trying to watch things with different eyes and whatever. And I flicked across this one and saw Burgos up to at halftime. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? It's turned all the other screens off. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's, fi- it's finally happening. I knew I was right. However many weeks into the Spanish season we are and they've got one or two wins under their belt, I knew it was happening. They are able to like play up to a certain level to give teams trouble yeah. for a while. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Like there's not a whole lot. Um, so Lee Fryer wasn't with them again. 
there have been rumours around which we are not reporting. All we are saying is there have been rumours around that him and Burgos have mutually agreed to part ways. Oh, I haven't heard this. Wow, Um, tell me more off the podcast. I will do. Uh, If you want to hear about this, sign up to our Patreon that doesn't exist yet. But yeah, um, we don't know if slash when we will see Lee Fryer with Burgos again. Something must be going on there because Callum Doxy also left mid-season. I don't know what is happening, but in the meantime, they seem to still have enough guys to be semi-convincing against a good team. Yeah, because my they're going to be convincing enough to scare a good team was when they had a full team, but being able to do it without the guy who was leading them in points and was like 10th in the league in points per game yeah, says something. But yeah, man, they hung around. And for the second game in a couple of weeks, we saw a Lunion press to get themselves out of a hole, which yeah. is interesting. It was it was an odd one. Um, Strange development, but worth keeping an eye on for teams that are playing a union. Yeah, they seem to well, be pressing yeah. to get themselves out of trouble now, which is. I think Illunion cool. are just in experiment mode because they started their three big again with Terry, Bill, and. Um, Danny Diaz. Diaz. Yeah, I yeah I wonder. I wonder are they trying to find stuff, whether it's for European competition <laughs> or just for the league going forward or whatever, because they do seem to be changing things about. They didn't have Amadou yeah, again today. Yeah. So I wonder, does that feed into it? They're tinkering. Um, it kind of, we spoke about Lee just now not being around for Burgos, and it's kind of reduced Burgos to a two-man offensive operation where Kim and Macek basically run the offense between themselves and then Martin Arredondo is like the release valve on the opposite side of the floor. And they don't have a lot of dimension to their offense. I think they got ahead because they made some tough ones and similar to what we saw against Madiba when Madiba played them last week. I think the combination of two guys carrying the load and having to face a press kind of burned those guys out. Um, I mean, Macek and Gim were nine of 15 and eight from... 16 respectively so that's what a combined 17 of 31 out of Burgos's 24 from 46 two-point shooting so they got the shots up they just didn't get a lot of support Um, no that's the thing of like if you lose a player it's not only are you losing something off the top you're also moving everyone else up a slot so you're having guys that would normally be like fourth option have to move up one you're yeah. playing guys that normally go from 12 minutes a game you're starting to play them 30 minutes a game like it kind of it lowers your ceiling but it also lowers your floor yeah it doesn't think, doesn't scale up well i think is um is fair to say the the other thing with burgos is they brought the two korean guys over at once and the other korean fella uh kim Jok not Duyong Gim, is I think he played a few minutes in their first game and hasn't played since, so I don't know what's going on there. I wondered if this was some kind of Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie and KD want DeAndre Jordan deal where Gim was like, hey, can you bring my mate over so he can live here? And then they get and be like, yeah, he's not good enough to play. I just wanted him around. Um, yeah, he's only played in one game. I think he's young. Like I think I don't think he's... No, he's... 
27 according to the stats i thought the whole yeah. thing was like he was like a younger korean guy that they wanted to like he wanted to yeah and develop for national team stuff but no apparently not yeah so um, something strange is going on in burgos man it makes makes it very difficult to rationally root for them as i've taken so much pleasure in doing but uh rationally yes <laughs> um yeah it it's weird but um, i don't know anything you apparently know more than me which is fun yeah, uh, I'm still I'm still plugged in, man. I'm I'm not playing anymore, and my source of covert gossip also hasn't really been in the loop as much this year, so I haven't got as much information out of them. But I need to rewire all my sources so I keep this stuff coming in. Yes. Um. Also, just on the Alanian side, another big bill game. Twenty eight. Yeah. Twelve from Terry. Twelve from Greg. Eleven from Danny Diaz. Um. Yeah, man couple of big games in a row from bill yeah that and it was i mean the the last one was expected because it was grand canaria and they don't have the size today yeah they don't have a matchup for him whereas this was him being out there with two other bigs who were primarily outside shooters and i think burgos's plan was to give gim the bill latham matchup for a lot of it but i think Burgos got so out of sync defensively chasing the shooters around that Bill was basically like, anytime I've got anyone other than game on me, I'm just mismatching and shooting the ball. And yeah. that's more or less what he did. So, yeah, Ilunion still tinkering, still rolling. Haven't played anyone worrying enough yet to see what the aim of all of this is. But I will assume they know something that we don't. All right. Cool. Shall we shift on? All right. So we, Bilaideg Bilbao, played UCAM Mercia. And I think the score was actually 96 54 or 51. I don't remember. Um, But if you look at the stats, it says that we have 127 points and they have 73. And I didn't understand why, but if you look at the stats, they have put nearly every shot down as a three rather than a two. Like my stats are approximately correct, bar like uh, one or two off, but they're in threes instead of twos. Like, um, it's it was very strange. Uh, we came out the first quarter was 31 10, um, and it was kind of over from there. Did you actually have 18 then? Uh, no, I had 14. Is this plus 50 percent ish? Because um, no, I had I had 14. I had 12 in the first quarter, and then I scored the very first play of the second half. And then I didn't <laughs> do anything about like I was joking because I was saying, like, I always look at people I have 30 and I'm like, how do you do that? And then you're like, eh, seven or eight a quarter. Yeah. And then it was funny because I had 12 and a quarter, and I was like, oh, that's me on for 40 odds. <laughs> I was joking, obviously. I understand that's not how it works, but I just basically we statistically there that there were the best offensive rebounding team in the league and the worst defensive rebounding team in the league and i we assumed that that was more from them hanging around than being good good rebounders uh so i was basically informed to just go the second they put a shot up and it worked so that was fun um and yeah everyone got in on the fun and there wasn't a whole lot else to say about it the um Um, robles um from for those guys 
kind of started getting going when the game was already over. It hit a couple of threes, which made it fun to watch for a little minute again. But nah. The um so when this game was going on, I think Albacete had just finished and Ben Texpin was like, geez, James is showing up. And I was still flicking at that point and I flicked your game on and David fed you the ball for a layup. And I was like, oh, he's just showing out because Anna's gone there with him and Anna's got family in Mercia and he's showing off for those guys. And then we like, I'd only really seen that play because I'd not watched a whole lot of your game because it was like a 20 nil start. And I was like, there's so many games going on at once. And I'm sure James will tell me about this, that I'm not like factoring this one in. So as when we saw that you had 14 or 12 after a quarter or whatever it was, I was basically just like, eh, the stats on this look kind of messed up. He's probably just had that one basket. <laughs> They've got this wrong. But it looks no, awesome. no, I I think I took like eight shots in a quarter. Yeah. Um, to be fair, like we've been trying to, uh, people have been trying to be like, hey, listen, the guy who just did everything for our team is gone. Like everyone needs to do a little bit more. And yeah. um, to be fair, most of them were laps, but I had a couple of yeah. uh, a couple of mid rangers, which was nice to. Did you, did nice you get to your eyeball in? No, I didn't actually, which was hilarious. And I was like, hey, I've broken the duck now. It's it's it's. Do you like, does it like come out of your salary if you don't miss your con- contractual obligation to shoot an air ball again? Uh, no, I nearly shot one to be fair, but nah, it all felt pretty good because they weren't very good and yeah. I felt fairly low pressure straight away because it was 31 10. Yeah. Although it was 31 10 when I'd already done all of my scoring, the only <laughs> other points I scored was the very first play of the second half. We ran like a horns set, like a double high screen, and I was in the corner and they just forgot about me and I cut for a layup. <laughs> like, I literally like the two people on the outside of the double screen. So like the third and fourth defender went to jump at the same time. And I was like, you do mean, you do know that this means that yeah. no one's defending baseline. Right. But yeah. Weird. So that wasn't um, that was scrappy. Yeah. On the stats, which I think have been a bit weird all year, I did see it where it was the version that said 127 to 73 Mm -hmm. and I was like we made such a big deal a couple of weeks ago when um, Hamburg and Skywheelers was like 100 to 94 and we were like how is there a close game where both teams score that high (laughs) and I was like how is there a a game where one team scores 70 and loses by 50 (laughs) that's never happened in wheelchair basketball but yeah had those been the real stats, I think that would have reset our record for the the most points we've seen combined in a game, but only by six, because it would have added up to 200. Yeah. Strange one. Right. Shall we get on to the last Spanish League game of the weekend? Yeah. That is Gran Canaria, 66. Zuzanak, 41. Uh, did you watch this? I did. And it was basically the Gran Canaria, if they had to give a seminar on what their game plan was and they used like ineffective defense dummies to show it, that was more. Yeah, like, like running it, running a five on five thing at half pace to demo yeah. something like. Yeah, that was more or less it. Um, I mean, you can tell that something was up because Jorge Sanchez was actually the team's leading shot 
maker, which almost never happens because they tend to just leverage his ability to threaten his shot into making shots for other people. Um, yeah. It didn't even have to go down that, like, very... That's kind of plan A or like very, very close plan B. Yeah, plan A is like you're going to jump or nearly jump and I will facilitate. And then it was it was like, hey, this is so low resistance. I'm just going to shoot 12 footers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was kind of it. I mean, Jorge, 8 from 13. Ari, 7 from 11. Uh, Rose Holloman did message us before the game saying she was going to try and get Ari to take 40 shots because of your proclamation last week that you needed somebody to take 40 shots so Ari's let you down on that one or Rose has let you down depending on how you want to look at it um, outside of that I had, sorry I had someone from Gran Canaria who will remain unnamed describe the game as like it was alright it was boring and we didn't even play well so like <laughs> yeah yeah that's tough luck it's tough luck for those guys that's basically it um, so Gran Canaria came to Bilbao to play a game and I wasn't here which is sure. disappointing. Grand Canary. Oh, right. Okay. Because there's an accent in Vidoria. So they were staying in Bilbao and I wasn't even here, which is sad because it would have been fun to see those guys. But we'll see them in two weeks. It would have got you out of having to hang with your wife's family. They're, they're nice. Although in Grand Canary are here, um, my actual in laws are going to be here. So oh, right. <laughs> same thing anyway. <laughs> awesome. Um, right. So, yeah, from the Zuzanak side. Again, not a whole lot to be going on with it. They got one double-figure scorer in Ruben Viso. Um, more or less nothing from Jose Leap, who was following this week's pattern of being two of four threes and zero of two from the floor, from the two-point range, sorry. Um, yeah, just not a lot of creation against a team that creates in its sleep, I guess, is the balance here. Yeah. I don't think we have anything else to say about Zuzanak because we do this more or less every week. And it's always like, hey, if Jose Leap shoots like 12 of 15 threes, they might win. And outside of that, probably not a whole lot else is going to happen. No, you're right. Like, not a whole lot there. Yeah. Okay. Good team against bad team. <laughs> That's the formula. <laughs> uh, but just saying straight up bad is that, but yeah, like weaker team in the league. Yeah. <laughs> You think in like the management of these teams where they like talk about what players to bring in and someone's like, how do you, someone comes in and is like, hey, we need to sign this guy. He's going to really help us. And they're like, how do you justify this? Like make us good, good teams beat bad teams. Simple as. I wonder if we could open this up as like consulting because all we ever do every week is be like, hey, this better team beat this worse team. Yeah, there's not a whole lot there, is there? No. Right. On to Germany. Yeah. So, as we mentioned, we are going to be covering Landil and Thuringen, which is the unequivocal big game of the week, in a little bit more depth with Thomas Bomer. So, check that out on Thursday. But until then... Would you care to play the Dirk Passavan game for this edition of Dolphins Trier versus ING Skywheelers? Um, I have actually already seen it. So I would you um, like to pretend you hadn't seen it and then guess a number anyway? I'm going to pause and let the audience participate. <laughs> 
55. Hey, well done. Don't know how you, I also sent you the stats before we hit record. Yeah. Um, so Dirk Passavan scored 55 points. Which is quite a lot. And that is really it's the thing of like me joking and being like, how do you get to like 40 odd? Like you just do what I did in a quarter completely out of the blue against a really bad team, but more than that four times in a row. <laughs> um, Unbelievable. So the, the 55 is put into perspective by the fact that Sky Wheelers, who are a team that recently put up 94 points in an overtime loss, they only put up 60 which is approximately five more than Dirk Passavan scored on his own. You know, give or take zero. <laughs> yeah. um, and in other interesting news for Trier, they actually got double-figure scoring from both Corey Rossi and Patrick Dorner, and it's normally only one of those two who ever chips in double figures. But yeah. if Passavan's getting 55 and you're allowing anyone else on that team to score 10 points, you're probably losing unless... Like the teams that would beat them anyway are the teams that wouldn't let Dirk get 55 points up. Yeah. It's, and it's like, are you doubling? Um, and if so, was it way too late? Like, is that yeah. why they've got 10 each? Or was it like, are you just watching this guy have 55 and then also letting other people do whatever <laughs> they want? Like, I know 10's not doing whatever they want, but I don't know if someone's going to go... I've heard, and I don't. I don't think it's like that much of a real thing. But people talk about every so often in like the able-bodied game. They talk about NBA players that are gonna score thirty. So it's like, hey, this guy's gonna score thirty. We just need to make sure no one else has anything. And I don't know how much you're gonna actually reliably do that. But I wondered if you just let him go and go and go and go and go, you kind of you think you top out near fifty-five anyway. And you give nothing to anyone else. Could you have got it done? You know what I mean? But when you say go and go and go, are you jumping him or are you just letting him roll down <laughs> down the left wing and shoot? That's him? the other thing. Like I also wonder, like, would would it like if you just let if you just let him shoot like 15 footers and didn't even jump, he might have a hundred. Like yeah, yeah. um yeah, it's always fun, man. Like the coming on here and looking at the passive and stats, even like I watched a decent enough chunk of this game, but didn't see it like end to end. And even having watched him dominate for probably the middle 20 minutes, it still seems ridiculous to come and look at these stats and be like, Hey, this guy had 55. It's hilarious. And also our, how many did pass one score game is catching on because I actually messaged us about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, on the other side, Kim Robbins leading the Skywheelers with 22. The problem being that that is approximately 40% of the output of what Passavan led his team with. Um, once again, give or take zero. Yeah. Well, you know, got, got to keep it, got to keep the numbers at least safe so I don't step outside the bounds. Um, Tim Diedrich and uh, Katarina Lang with 18 and 10 respectively. I I didn't realise at the point where I was watching this that Nico Drymuller was missing for the Skywheelers. That explains a certain oh, amount of this, sure. but I wouldn't have thought them without Nico would have lost to Trier by this many, but I guess maybe all bets are off when anyone in any game is scoring 55. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So him having 55 brings up an important question. The belt, yes or yes? Yes. Cool, done. 
Um, Also, a quick thing about the belt. We asked who should get the belt, and I vote that if you write in and say me as two (laughs) unnamed players, uh, Rose and Yelmer both did, uh, (laughs) I think you are putting time out for a week and you are not eligible the week after. So that's your new rule. So if Rose or Yelmer have 55 next week, no belt for you. We're setting a dangerous precedent giving the belt to Dirk Passavant, though, because he might literally have it for the rest of time. Nah, man, we get to do whatever we want. Someone we like could have 12 next week, uh, unless it's Roger <laughs> Elmer, and we could just give them the belt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Players, if you're similar to our Instagram rules about don't go on our polls after the game and vote that your team is going to win. Um, although, shout out to Moji Kamali, because after they got waxed by Landil, he went on after the game and voted that Landil would win, and I thought that was funny. Uh, <laughs> Imagine if that was a translation error. <laughs> like, which team did win? Um, I'd love someone to do that. But oh, yeah, so um, similar to our rules about don't win a game and then vote that your team is going to win. Don't vote for yourself to get the belt, even if Yelma did have a couple of good games in a row. So, <laughs> also, someone had fifty-five. You yeah, don't get the belt. Deal with it. Speaking Relax. of speaking of the belt, moving on to the other German league game, our guy Soren Muller, who is currently the longest holding, sorry, the longest reigning um, bench units belt holder of all time. Had himself not a terrible game. He had 22. Also approximately 40% of what would have been needed for the belt. Approximately. See, you're catching on. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't give too much away. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, this was Munsterland against Rhine River Rhinos, Wiesbaden. And this was an 81-45 win for Wiesbaden. So sorry, Soren Muller, you won the belt a few weeks ago and then haven't played for a long time. Uh, due to, I think, COVID cancellations of games and whatever else it might be. But you don't get to keep the belt when your return performance sees you get beat by 36. Even if That's a good question. Can you win the belt if you lose a game? I think yes. Um, yeah. Because- I, I, like I'm t- this, this belt isn't about winning basketball games. This game, this is about swinging. So if you go down swinging, but you have like, say you have like 32 and you lose yeah. belt. Yeah, fair fine. Enough. Don't care. Um so yeah, this was a pretty convincing Ryan River Rhinos win with um Heiss Evan getting I think he got the leg up on Matthias Bellas here in the battle of the Dutch 4.5s who play in Germany, which is a admittedly niche category. It's a niche, but, it's one of the more niche battles. Yeah. <laughs> so Heiss with 24 to lead Ryan River Rhinos, and they got 20 from Matthias Guntner, who Tommy has just been singing the praises of and is still much bigger than I expect him to be, despite despite the fact I watch him for at least like 20 minutes of basketball every week. Yeah. And yeah, Aaron Young with 16. Um, Ryan River Rhinos just look good and solid and ready to beat teams worse than them and probably not that ready to shake up anybody better than them. Yeah, like comfortably above other teams below yeah. the top two. Uh, Although, yeah. like, also comfortably beaten by Hanover for third, right? Like, yeah, sure. Uh, we didn't see Hanover this week, actually. Uh, although I did see Mariska's back 
training in some capacity or like doing some level of fitness. So that's cool. Yeah. And she'll hopefully Welcome be back, back for them at some point and the German League will get that little bit more juiced. Yeah, think, welcome back, Mariska. If you haven't listened to our podcast with Mariska, go back and listen to it. You plug you don't that, know, like, no, you know. You plugged that exactly an hour ago when we. Yeah, but that's three days time in the future. True. Yeah, the, this is this the past yeah. and the future at the same time. I think it's funny because everyone else will be completely oblivious <laughs> to this, and we're just sitting here confusing ourselves about what we're doing. I. I also like don't really know what's going on here because when we finished with when we were like starting recording with Tommy, he was like, I need to be done by about half five. And I looked at my clock just now to see it's exactly half five. And I was like, did we just get done with Tommy like nine minutes ago? And then I remember he's in Germany, which is an hour ahead. In yes, he's in the fu- he's in the future as well, although that will also have been the past. Yeah. In my defense, <laughs> I had I had to start work at seven today to finish for three to get two podcasts in before half five so if i'm confused about the time i blame everyone except me cool so on that note um <laughs> on that note goodbye yeah we'll uh, talk to you three days ago <laughs> uh belt goes to Dirk Passavan. have we got anything we need to forecast coming up you've mentioned that you guys have got albacessi this yeah, we're in the part of the season where we have Albacete, Gran Canaria, Madiba, and Alunion in four weeks. So that's fun. Ouch. Um, that's nice for everyone. Other thing from the Spanish League, we've got the repeat, uh, the second leg of possibly the upset game of the year where Amavel beat Alunion on the back of the Christoph Cosarino coming out party. Are we saying another Malaga win against Illunion's weird three big press or whatever. Nah, we're seeing the Illunion press taking over the world, I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah, they'll have fun pressing Tyler and Pete Cusack and Jaime Espasa and those guys. <laughs> Good luck yeah, to them. They can do it. Um, nah, I'm, I'm calling Illunion for this one. Yeah, it would be weird cool. if not. Although right. Malaga just doing like that twice and not really scraping a win against any of the other big teams all season would be nuts. Just Illunion twice. Yeah, that would be mad. Cool. Right. All right. On that note, shall we get out of here and we'll see these guys in either the future or the past, whichever. Very much should. Time is a flat circle. Thank you for listening. Um, Yeah, all the best. Like, subscribe, share, tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, Yeah, be good. Cheers, everybody. Peace out.